This episode is brought to you in part by B&H Publishing Group. Sam Alberry's new kids' book, God's Go-Togethers, provides a helpful foundation for explaining why God made men and women as a special pair to complement each other in marriage and beyond. Learn more at godsgotogethers.com. You have to ask yourselves, is the work culture that I'm in causing this? And really work on what's the source of the stress here. Hi, I'm Carl Vaders, and welcome to The Church Lobby, conversations on faith and ministry. My guest in this episode is Sean Nemechek. He's the author of the just-released book, The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout, A Journey from Exhaustion to Wholeness. In this episode, Sean and I narrow down our conversation to one very specific purpose. We talk to pastors who are wondering if they might be dealing with burnout in ministry to help them to identify it and take first steps back to wholeness again, including a very helpful list that Sean has of four questions to know if you're just tired or if you're actually burnt out. If you think that might be you or you know it's you, stick around. This is the help you need. Don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and some practical takeaways. Sean, man, it is good to have you with us on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here. Well, you and I have had a chance to actually meet in person on a handful of mm-hmm. occasions, and I've had a chance to have a an advanced copy of your book, which I was able to heartily endorse because you deal with the subject that is so important and that so many of us are struggling with. The book, of course, is The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout, A Journey from Exhaustion to Wholeness. But what I want to do with you today is is really narrow in on something specific. You and I both know there are a whole bunch of pastors out there who are wondering, is the thing that I'm struggling with right now burnout or something else, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, especially in the work you do, you you don't have to spend too much time with pastors to, to realize maybe half the people in the room here are scratching their heads and wondering, maybe they haven't said it out loud, but they're wondering, Mm-hmm. I want, is that me? That could be me. Am I just tired or is this something more and is it burnout? So what I want us to do today is talk to those pastors. So if you are a pastor who is going through some stuff and you're wondering, am I burned out or am I just tired? This is for you. And if you know someone that has expressed that to you, send this podcast to them. We are speaking directly to that. And what we want, I want to do with you today is walk through four steps. What is burnout and why does it seem to be on the rise lately? Two, how do I know if what I'm struggling with is burnout? Three, how do I take steps to recover from burnout? And four, how do I protect myself from future burnout? Does that sound like a good plan for us today, Sean? Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that then. So let's start out with that first question right off the top. What is burnout? Yeah, burnout is actually one of the things that's hard to define because we use the word so much in our culture. You know, uh, we we get tired of doing things and we say, I'm so burned out. But Hmm. what I'm talking about in the book is really uh, the type of thing that we, we find kind of loosely defined in our culture as workplace stress that leads to deep fatigue. 
workplace stress that leads to deep fatigue. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not the type of thing that, that you bring in from the outside. It's, it's really some sort of dysfunction within your workplace that is causing stress, anxiety, shame, those things bubble up and uh, lead to a fatigue that, uh, that won't go away with just a little time off. Um, yeah. I often coach pastors in planning sabbaticals. And if they're burned out, I often tell them a sabbatical probably won't fix this. Uh, this is something that you really need to change your whole approach to work and your relationship to your work in order for this to be corrected. I talk about burnout as being a total depletion of self that comes from not having an inner life with God that's able to sustain our outer work for God. When we talk with somebody who's in burnout, there's several signs that we look for, but really that idea of deep, both physical and emotional fatigue that affects everything in our work. Some of the signs for that might be, uh, you know, things that you used to love to do, you don't enjoy anymore. Administrative work becomes so much harder than it used to be. You, you kind of lost your sense of call or even your sense of self. So th there's a number of signs and we, yeah. we can get into the, the diagnostic questions if you want, but uh, really burnout is just a, a sense that I just don't know myself in my work anymore. Yeah. It feels as you're describing it, it feels to me a lot like how we use the word depression. Like mm -hmm. you have a, a difficult day and somebody, Oh, I'm kind of depressed today, but there is a clinical depression that is not just simply sad but it is long-term, it is chronic, and it requires a longer time to get out of. And I think we do the same thing with burnout. We go, I'm just kind of burned out at the end of this day. And that's a term we use, but we're talking about a much longer term thing that has a, a that I, I think is probably not as clinically well-defined as depression. I think we defined depression clinically longer ago, and I think we're still working on defining burnout. Is that is that yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no uh, definition for burnout in uh, the diagnostic manuals. It's hard there. to believe. Uh, you'll find definitions on the Mayo Clinic's website. Uh, the World Health Organization has their definition. There's a, an inventory called the Maslach Burnout Inventory uh, okay. that has kind of three diagnostic tools that they look at. And then there's one specifically for ministry people, for pastors, uh, called the Francis Burnout Inventory uh, that just kind of evaluates the positive and negative aspects of your work. They all three have similar definitions, but there is really no one settled definition for what burnout is. That's amazing. So part B of question one, what is burnout? We've talked about why does it seem to be on the rise lately? What's going on? Well, if burnout is caused by workplace stress and our response to that stress, uh, there's a couple things going on. One, the stress that pastors are experiencing in their workplace is on the rise. Uh, over the last several years, we've seen issues around COVID and politics and all sorts of things really create an amazing increase in division in churches. Uh, I've talked to pastors who said, it doesn't matter what decision I make, half the church is going to be angry with me. That type of environment is going to guarantee burnout. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not something that it might happen. It's just a matter of time before it does happen. The other side of it is our response to that workplace stress. If it's not healthy, if we aren't uh, emotionally intelligent and able to separate our sense of self from our work, which a lot of pastors have trouble doing, 
um, then burnout is going to be inevitable. Uh, and so the pastors don't have the tools necessary to be resilient in the face of the conflict that they're facing. And so we're seeing burnout just rise dramatically. I get emails every week from pastors who are saying, I think I'm burned out. Can you help me? So it's not just simply a, it's not pretend, it's not imagination. It's not just a matter of terminology. The actual circumstances that create the environment of burnouts has changed so that there is actually more burnout. It's not just, it's not, it is perhaps also being more well-diagnosed, but it's certainly not, not just, or even primarily that it's actual rise of it. Yeah. Well, and there's cultural influences on this too. Uh, 40 years ago, pastors were much more highly respected than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of that is because we've seen some very public uh, awful things that pastors have done, and those rightly need to be addressed. Uh, we, we find just generally pastors are being trusted less and less, which leads to more criticism, more conflict, and a harder uh, environment for them to work in. Yeah. Plus you leave the church and you don't leave the phone on the desk. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, growing up in a preacher's home and uh, I remember there was a guy at the church who really kind of protected my dad. And when they call and he happened to pick up the phone and they'd say, well, you know, his pastor there, no, he's not, he's at home. I'll just call him at home. And he'd, he'd give them a what for, don't you dare. He's at home, leave him alone. And now it's not a matter of people trying to disturb us. The number that they have for us, goes with us everywhere. And they don't know that this is my downtime. So I so, so I think part of, of what we can even talk about is how do we defend against that by doing things like turning your ringer off for a while and mm-hmm. letting people know in advance, don't, don't, you know, and, and training the people around you to respect those boundaries. So we've kind of got an idea of what burnout is then and that it is on the rise. Let's go to question number two. So how does a, a pastor know if what they're struggling with is burnout? Because Pastoring on its own is simply something that can be very exhausting. There, are, there is an exhaustion that is appropriate and normal to the task. Mm-hmm. And then there's an exhaustion that is unhealthy and is actually burnout. And what are some signs? I'm talking like practical signs. If you're doing this or feeling this way, is there a checklist that you could give people to say, here are the questions to ask. And if you fill you know, this number of these out, then you're in burnout rather than simply tired. Is there something like that that even exists? And if so, what might it be? Yeah, I use four questions that are based on uh, the Maslach burnout inventory um, to ask pastors. If the answer to all four questions is yes, then you're in burnout. The first question is, are you feeling less effective in your work? Things are, are not going well. You, you're working harder than you ever have, but producing less. So just this, this sense of ineffectiveness uh, in your work. Uh, second, are you fatigued? We're not just talking about a little tired, you know, I need a nap type of tired. We're talking about a fatigue that goes all the way to your bones. It's both physical and emotional. Uh, the type of uh, fatigue that has you asking the question, uh, can I do this anymore? Uh, do I need to quit? It's the type of deep fatigue that lasts for not just days and weeks, but months. The third area that the Maslach Burnout Inventory talks about is what they call depersonalization. You kind of get in cynical. I prefer to ask a couple of questions in this area. Uh, one, have you lost your sense of self? Uh, when you look in the mirror, does the person in the mirror seem 
like a stranger to you? Have you lost, you know, that that sense of calling that uh, you used to really uh, engage with this and it drove your ministry and now you're just like, I'm not sure how what I'm doing anymore? The fourth question that I ask then is, uh, have you lost your sense of optimism or hope? Do you feel stuck? So if you're feeling ineffective, if you're feeling this deep fatigue, mm -hmm. if you've kind of lost your sense of who you are, and then you've lost your, your sense of optimism or hope, if you answer yes to all four of those things, congratulations, you are in burnout. But yeah. one of the things I like to tell pastors is that doesn't have to feel like an ending to you. When you are able to answer those four questions, honestly, uh, you're actually on the road to recovery and you're moving in the right direction. So there is hope. And that really is the first step to overcoming literally anything is to acknowledge the problem accurately to begin with, right? And this is exactly the same case. And so what these four questions do is help us to identify the problem accurately. It's not faith to deny that you have a problem. <laughs> right. It, it is the first step towards finding a solution. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus asked people who were sick basically to identify their 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 illness in some ways really like mm -hmm. and do you want and he asked the one person do you want to be healed like <laughs> identifying the problem and identifying that you do desire to come out of the problem really is step number one isn't it yeah absolutely when i'm coaching pastors through burnout and i ask them these four questions and they say yeah that's where i'm at one of the first things i like to say to them is there's hope if you are willing to do the work and it will be hard work and it's going to take some time but if you're willing to do the work with, with a little bit of help, you are actually going to be better off than you've ever been as a leader. Yeah. Burnout isn't an end. It's actually a beginning to developing some real resilience and some character that will help you be a, a so much better leader. Yeah. You might lead with a limp for the rest of your life because burnout does have some long-term effects, but it, it can actually be a good thing you know, if you're willing to meet Christ in, in the middle yeah. of it. I know this, uh, you really believe this because the original draft you sent me of the book before the final title was landed on, I believe was what better from broken, better after broken was the better original after title. broken. Yeah. Right. So that, I mean, that is a core premise of how you teach. This is that to recognize this situation, to recognize your brokenness, to come to Christ for healing from this brokenness, mm -hmm. to have godly people and wise people come alongside you who know how to take you on this journey from brokenness to healing, where you end up at the end of it is actually stronger. I found that to be the case in my own ministry. I, I remember sitting down, it's gotta be 15 years or so or, or more ago with a friend going, I don't know what's wrong with me. They, and he asked me, so what's going on? And I start talk, talking about, I don't enjoy anything anymore. I don't feel like what I do matters at the church anymore. I'm angry all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm never not tired. I go through this list of things. And he looked at me and I said, what do you think it is? He said, dude, you're crispy. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? He says, you're so burned out. You're crispy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to overstate something and tell me if it's actually overstating it. Is it true? Because in my experience, if you think you may be burned out, you probably are. Maybe. Or is that overstating it? it there, there are cases where there are other things going on. Right. Um, so sometimes people think they're burnt out, but they're actually in trauma. There's different types of trauma that can take place. Sometimes pastors are exposed to very traumatic events. Like they're the first one on the scene when somebody dies. 
And okay. yeah, you yeah. know, that, that, that can be a post-traumatic stress type response that they're experiencing. Other times they're in spaces that are, are dealing with uh, chronic traumatic stress. Um, this is the type of stress that is like a thousand paper cuts a little bit at a time over a long period of time. It looks a lot like post-traumatic stress, uh, but it turns out it's just due to criticism. You know, if they're okay. in a in an environment that's highly critical, like I was for years, for more than a decade, it really shows up as trauma. They may also be experiencing compassion fatigue, which is uh, kind of like burnout for caregivers. People who mm. are are caring for others constantly and not taking time to pause and care for themselves, they're likely to uh, to experience this this really scary moment when somebody who's normally very compassionate finds they have no empathy left. They have no compassion left. They just have lost their ability to love others because they okay. haven't been caring for themselves. Okay. So step one would be those four questions. And if at that point, if you maybe you're, you think it might be, you've answered yes on two or three of them, but it might be one of those other things you're talking about. How do we make the assessment between which one of those it might be and how different is the a healing process going to be depending on how we label it, or is the healing process the same, pretty much the same for all of them? Help, help us distinguish that because I'm not clear on it. With burnout, it's often the result, well, not often, almost always the result of a dysfunctional work culture. So you have to ask yourselves, is the work culture that I'm in causing this and really work on what's the source of the stress here? Okay. It really involves some investigation, and I don't encourage people to do this on their own. You really need somebody to ask you some hard questions. So, if you especially if you're in, if especially if you're in a bad place, you're already misassessing things, and so you're going yes. to wrongly assess your own stuff. You've got to have somebody from the outside look at this. Yeah, right. So, in what I do with coaching pastors through burnout, I do some assessment at the beginning, just asking them questions, and if I hear there's there's some something that sounds a little bit like trauma, I'm going to say you need to see a therapist in addition to the coaching that we're doing, because gotcha. there's some things that we cannot deal with in this environment. I'm going to focus on your relationship to your work and to yourself in your work, and we'll, we'll work through that. But there's some stuff in your past that you need to deal with. And sometimes that trauma goes all the way back to their childhood to just some experiences that they had. Maybe they were bullied as a kid or they had parents who weren't available um, those are things that can impact how we relate to others now. And so I always tell them it's really good idea to, to not just work on your, your workplace, but to have a therapist that you're talking with. And really that's just good practice for every pastor to have yeah. a therapist that they can talk to regularly to make sure that they're healthy and they're processing things and not bring yeah. them into the pulpit. And in your book, the weary leaders guide to burnout, you do distinguish between different types of helpers from the therapist to the counselor, to the friend, to the coach, to the spiritual advisor. And you walk through what each of those is, why they're different and in what situations they can be particularly helpful to you. So that's one of the real, so many practical things in the book, but that's one of them is because for a lot of people, these terms are all interchangeable and they're not, they have, there's, they're overlapping, but they have very distinct differences, don't they? Yeah, I needed a team to recover from burnout. It wouldn't do just to just have one person for me. There were a whole range of things I needed to work on. And one of the things that goes along with burnout is isolation. 
Because mm-hmm. of the anxiety and the shame that we experience that leads to burnout, we tend to pull back. We tend to isolate from others. And in order to get out of that isolation, we often need these kind of professional relationships to help us understand what it means to be in a safe relationship again. And as we experience that with a mentor or a coach or a counselor or spiritual director, then we can start to experience healthy relationships uh, in a more uh, give and take fashion with friends. Okay. So we've, we've already uh, blurred over into question number three, which was how do we start to take steps to recover from burnout? So we're already, we're already in the middle of this, just as a semantic thing, and it may not make a difference, but it was something I was wondering about is when we're talking about recovering from burnout, do we recover from it? Do we overcome it? Do we get healed from it? Is there a correct way or an incorrect way to, in that language that, that changes the way we think about it, or does it not just not matter? Well, maybe we scratch and claw our way out of it. I think recovery is a good term to use. Uh, Overcome it. You might look at it from the positive side and say, what we're really doing is developing resilience because burnout is really just a lack of resilience in, in our work and in the things that we're facing. And so what we're doing is facing up to the problem. Uh, and looking for some solutions. And so uh, the recovery language that you sometimes hear from uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous is kind of similar to what we're talking about. The the work is, there's a lot of similarity between uh, what they're doing and and what I'm doing in coaching pastors through burnout. Okay. In the conversation, uh, you've said a couple of times that basically when we're talking about burnout, we're talking about things that happen in the work environment. Mm. That, that that's where it comes from. And of course, for most pastors, and especially for most of the pastors who, you know, listen to this podcast is primarily small church pastors. So in a lot of ways, whether we're pastoring a big oral or a small church, a whole lot of that environment is created by us. Yeah. I mean, not entirely. If you're going into a toxic work environment, I, I had one church that I started to pastor and realized, well, this place is just burning up with toxicity. And so mm-hmm. we left. But in the other places I had, you know, when I did have my own burnout, I had to look around and realize I'm in a healthy church. I'm in a good church. I'm in a, a church where people want to step up and help out. And I created an environment immediately around myself that mm-hmm. was wrong because of my own expectations, because of certain training in certain areas that I didn't have. And so it was almost entirely within my purview to make that change, which actually was very helpful because... I'm not dependent on somebody else for that situation to change. So how, if the pastor looks around and goes, you know, I've, I'm at least primarily, if not entirely responsible for this toxic environment, what are some of the first steps that we can take to begin to address that? So let me just say, uh, most pastors who, in, who are in burnout aren't going to be able to see themselves as the problem to start. And mm-hmm. that comes with some time and some some outside help. That's part of the reason we need some of these friends and, and helpers to come alongside us to give us the perspective yeah. that we lack. Because especially up front, if they find where they're at fault, it's going to turn into uh, shame probably at that point, right? So it's going to be basically at the end of it, you look back and you start to see, okay, here are the things that got me there. But at the beginning, if you start looking at what you did wrong, it just spirals you even further down, I would imagine, right? Right. They're aware that they are in a toxic environment. Uh, The workplace environment is bad, but not everybody who works in a bad workplace burns out. 
Uh, it's well, our internal response to that bad workplace that tends to lead to, to burnout. And uh, uh, yeah. pastors who are especially caring, kind, compassionate people are more likely to burn out than those who aren't so much that way. So that's part of what's going on is my internal response. So a major portion of this book is actually getting the pastor to look at what's going on inside them in response to their environment. Because most of us don't have the ability to, to change the entire environment that we work in. Even as a solo pastor, yeah. there's still a church culture that's there. And many church cultures are, are very uh, driven, so much so that they, they almost equate busyness with holiness. And, yeah. uh, and rest becomes a, a bad word. So that pastor who's learning to care for themselves to take some rest is actually going against the culture and, and it's going to be hard. So they need somebody alongside them to help them see what's going on internally that's leading to the burnout as a response to the external stuff that's happening in the church. And oh, yeah. weighing those things is going to be really important. There's some things you can change, some things you can't. And uh, if you can change your response to the culture, often that that's what leads to the culture changing. As a pastor yeah. gets healthier, often the church will come alongside him and get healthy themselves. Sometimes they'll resist health because they're so toxic, so dysfunctional, that health becomes a threat to them. And in those cases, the pastor will wow. end up having to leave. Wow. Yeah, that well, that's well, we could spend a whole another episode on that one right there, <laughs> couldn't we? Yeah. Wow. And now a short break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us. First, forward this podcast to a friend. Second, consider becoming a financial supporter through Patreon, Venmo, or PayPal. Just go to carlvaders.com support. For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most. Our support link is in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Our Daily Bread Ministries, a global media organization that makes the life-changing wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to all. As a part of that mission, Where You're From is a podcast for those who believe it's important to stop and listen before we speak. Join us on each episode as we ask another Christian thought leader, Where You're From, and discover how their life experiences and expertise even if we may disagree with something they say, offers us important perspectives worth thinking about. To see our list of guests, visit whereyou'refrom.org today. That's where, Y-A, from.org. I'm Russell Berry, reminding you that it's not just about where you're at, but it's also about where you're from. All right, let's let's go to question number four then. So how let's walk the pastor through. So they've they've gone through this, they've had the help, they've recognized this issue. They're in a place where they're recovering from burnout, they're beginning to feel healthy and strong again, enjoying being back in ministry and doing the work in ministry again. How do we make sure we don't end up in that place again? How do we protect ourselves from future burnout? Or for pastors out there who've never been through it and want to build up a resilience to it so that they never have to go through it, what are some first steps to take? 
Oh, there's lots of things that we can be doing, but the number one thing is just making sure we're connected to Jesus, deeply connected to him, that our sense of identity is found in him and not in the work that we're doing or in what people are saying about us. That's hard work. A lot of pastors are pastors, not because it's a job that they do, but it's kind of who they are in their personality and in their relationship with Christ. Being able to separate that out from their root identity as someone who is deeply and permanently loved by God, as a child of God. We have to get back to that root identity because that's where we find security. And going back to to finding our security in Christ and in Christ alone gives us the strength to be able to face some of the hard things that we need to face. Yeah. Even when you see the life and teachings of Jesus, from, from my yoke is easy and my burden is light, to, uh, you know, the children coming to him, to the times he took away where they're all ready to rush and he's just, slow down, I'm going to spend time with the father right now. This is this yeah. problem will be here when we get back. He, both his behavior and his teaching, even just on a, on a practical level, show us an example of that that is, you know, so extraordinary. So to not just know that, but to connect relationally to that through our relationship with Christ that's everything rests on that. That's the starting point for all of it, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. And and Jesus provides the example for us of what it means to live in rhythms of work and rest time with people and time alone with the father. If you, if you look at the gospels with that, that lens in mind, just looking for the times when Jesus pulled away for prayer and for rest, they're all over the place. Uh, and they're described in ways that that says this was a custom of his or a regular practice of Jesus to withdraw from the crowds, to go off by himself up on the mountain or in the night or early in the morning just to pray. Those those teach us. I like to talk about you know the teaching of Jesus about the vine and the branches. So much of our work in churches is so focused on fruit, and yeah. we're looking for the wrong fruit sometimes. And Jesus tells us in that, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. So we don't focus on the fruit. We focus on the vine. We focus on on Jesus. As we're abiding in him, the fruit will come, and it will come naturally out of our relationship with Christ. And that's the major difference that I want pastors to learn. Before, they were doing their time with God for their ministry, for their outer work. And now I want them to see their ministry as an outflow, a natural outflow of who they are with Christ. Uh, yeah. As they're learning from Jesus, I want that to be the, the foundation. That was a huge shift for me pre to post burnout. Pre burnout, mm-hmm. I felt myself responsible for the results. Yeah. And when I let those go and mm-hmm. just realized, Jesus, I'm going to be faithful and whatever the results are, are going to be your results. If your results oriented you may even be cringing at that because we're so used to being focused on results. Well, that's just lazy. That's just poor planning. No, no. It doesn't mean that we're lazy. It doesn't mean that we don't plan. All of that is in scripture as well. Hard, mm-hmm. Work hard, plan well. All of those principles are in scripture. So it's not that we don't even have goals. It's not that at all. It's just that here's the picture I have in my head. What, what we do is there's this peach tree and it's not producing it. So we go and we buy a basket of peaches and we tape it to the branches of the tree. <laughs> right? That's what we do in ministry a whole lot of the time, rather than, okay, what's going on with the root system here? Is there an insect? Is there a disease? Is there a lack of 
water? Is there a lack of air? Is there a lack of sunshine? What's going on in the nutrition of the tree? Deal with that. Connect the tree to the nutrition source and the peaches will be a natural result. But I think we got too many churches and too many pastors taping peach to the trees, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so once we've we've found that identity in Christ and that security in Christ, then that frees us up to do some of the work where yeah. we're asking things about our productivity, about our energy levels at different times of the day, about what's most important in prioritizing our work. We're also able to look at what's going on in us, in our, our background. Uh, you know, are there things from our childhood that are are playing into this? Do we have an internal critic that's that's driving shame and anxiety? Or do we have expectations that are unreasonable for ourselves or for others? Or are there expectations from others on us that are unreasonable? The answer to those is probably yes on both accounts. But we're able to, to do the work of looking at really all the different aspects of who we are as a person and as a pastor, because we feel secure in Christ, we're able to, yeah. to do some of that hard work and face some of those internal problems that may be caused by sin or shame or anxiety or anger or any number of things. So what are some proactive steps to defend ourselves from future burnout? What are some proactive steps we can take, particularly concentrating on the spiritual disciplines and how they strengthen us? How Because I think even some of us take the spiritual disciplines and we take it on as one more thing to do and one more burden upon yeah. our lives. So how should we approach this, the spiritual di disciplines so that they become a place of nourishment rather than one more item on my agenda? Yeah, I like to tell people to approach spiritual disciplines not as something to do, but as a relationship to explore that you can do so playfully. So as you incorporate different disciplines in your life, it's not about doing the thing, but it's about relating to God, uh, being able to sense his presence with you, his love for you. And as you do that discipline, if that's not happening, I mean, if you aren't experiencing God's pleasure in this space, then do something different. Feel free to change the rules. Kids on the playground, when they're playing and they, the game isn't working for them, what do they do? Give up? No, they change the rules. They make up a new game, one yep. that's more fun to them. And so, yeah, do it that way. Approach this in a way that, that says, I'm going to use these spiritual disciplines as a way of connecting with Christ. And if that connection isn't happening, then do something else. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you mentioned in your book that I think is is maybe maybe one, it's certainly one of the primary things for pastors is we don't Sabbath well. Mm -hmm. um, we think, well, I was church on Sunday and I preached and I did this and I, and I no, that's a work day, folks. Sabbath is just so essential. Why is it that it's the one that we seem to miss the most often? For our Jewish friends, you look at Old Testament and, and, and even during the Gospels, Sabbath was so important to them that they overswung the pendulum mm -hmm. to the other side, whereas we seem to swing it way to the other side of where it just doesn't seem to matter anymore. Sabbath doesn't count anymore. And we're really missing this golden jewel that, that God gave us and this blessing of Sabbath. What is it about that? That just, we have so wrong. Oh yeah. And it's, it's in many ways, the one commandment of the 10 commandments that if you ignore, you're actually going to get praised for it in yeah. the church for some reason. I, I think a lot of it has to do with American culture. Uh, we adopted the Protestant work ethic, but not the Protestant rest ethic. And oh, I like so, that. so we work, we work, we value work, we overvalue work, but we don't value rest. 
uh, as a culture. Yeah, that's huge. And that's, that's influenced the church pretty heavily. In fact, the times where I've preached on the goodness of Sabbath rest, not as a legalistic thing, but as a beautiful gift from God, those are the times where I've gotten the most pushback from people. They don't like the idea that rest can be a gift from God. And uh, when I'm coaching pastors, one of the first things I ask them is, tell me about your rhythms of work and rest. And they usually say, what do you mean? They, it, the wow. question doesn't even make sense. To they them. don't even know what the question Wow. So we have to start with establishing what a healthy Sabbath looks like, a, a ceasing from our productivity so that we can receive God's good gifts and remember that he's in control and we're not. And just a day of enjoying God's love for us in all the yep. goodness that he gives us. Every output of energy requires an equal input of energy. Yeah. Yeah. I and talk about that in the book that. too. Yeah. yeah. And you you even chart it out as far as short-term and long-term energy mm-hmm. and, and how that changes. In fact, one of the things I want to do uh, with you, Sean, is after we're done with this podcast, we're going to stay on for about five or five minutes or so, because you actually have a, an appendix in the back of the book to help people develop a plan for Sabbath. It's not just a day off. It is that, but you actually say, if you go into it with this particular plan, you'll get even greater benefit out of it. So for our subscribers and our sponsors, we're going to do uh, five to 10 minutes on it and we'll, we'll have the link. So if you are not a current newsletter subscriber, you can subscribe to the newsletter for free at carlvaders.com. And if you subscribe to it, you can then receive the link to this free bonus material, or you can buy his book and get it out of that. But if you want it for free, sign up for the newsletter and we'll put a link in for that. So we'll do that at the end of this. So much more we could do, but you do have the entire book on it. I really encourage people to get the weary leader's guide to burnout, a journey from exhaustion to wholeness. But before we let you go from this part of it, anyway, the podcast part of it, let's go through the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. All righty. What are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years, and how have you adapted to it? The biggest change is just the number of pastors who are asking for help in planning a sabbatical. Um, I think this is a good change in the church. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually working to develop a sabbatical planning toolkit that we're going to have available through PIR Ministries as a way of helping a whole church understand the basis of what a sabbatical is, uh, how they can implement this as a church, and then helping the pastor design a sabbatical that will actually be restorative and not just some time off, but it will, Ooh, it will invest looking forward in to that because I'm planning on taking my first sabbatical later this year. So get to work on that for me, Sean. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. All right. Secondly, what free resource like an app or a website has helped you lately that you would recommend for small church ministry? Free resource. Uh, one of the the primary things is is podcast like yours. Steve Cuss has an excellent podcast called Managing Leadership Anxiety. That one has mm-hmm. been a game changer for me. So that, that I would highly recommend that. There's so many podcasts out there. If you want to learn just about anything, about oh my. improving in ministry, there's a resource for you. Yeah. Uh, thirdly, what's the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Uh, I've received some really bad pieces of ministry advice, but the best piece of ministry advice I think is um, to approach my time with God as a relationship, as uh, just deepening my understanding of his presence with me and his love 
for me, not as something to get a sermon out of. Yeah, so that's huge. The the principle of secrecy has been important to me. So as I as I learn something new from Scripture, I try to hold on to that for at least a few weeks or a few months until I feel like it's really rooted in my heart, and the Holy Spirit says, "Okay, now you can just start teaching this to others." And that has made all the difference in the world. Yeah, that's huge. I learned that a few years ago. I used to, people used to know what book I was reading or what minister I was listening to because I would immediately mm-hmm. regurgitate it. And I've learned the lesson of letting it sit for a while, let it like a good stew meld with all of the other flavors inside of me. And then by the time I present the same ideas, it's coming through the filter of how God designed me to present it and how God designed me yes. to live in it. It was more genuine from me. That's a huge, that's a great piece of advice. Number four, what's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen in church? Oh, we had uh, <laughs> the church I was pastoring in uh, kind of North central Michigan was an older building. Uh, we were in the middle of a worship service and the worship leader encouraged everybody to kind of join hands. And so everybody moved toward the middle of the sanctuary. It's a small sanctuary, only held about 100 people. And as they did that, the, the metal post in the basement that supported everything had some rust in it, and it crushed down about four inches. So Whoa. the whole floor dropped about four inches, and wow. everybody freaked out. I bet. I mean, we just froze for a second, and then somebody says, boy, I really felt the spirit move, and everybody <laughs> laughed. We had no idea what was happening at the moment. We found out just a few minutes later, but uh, yeah, it was really Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that would, wow, that's going to get you either in or out of the church real fast. Um, how can people find you online if they could follow up with you on anything? Yeah, there's several places they can find me online. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but uh, they can go to seannemichek.com. I have an author page there. Uh, I have a blog called The Pastor's Soul. It's just pastorsoul.com. Or they can reach out to me through the ministry that I work for, pirministries.org. That's where I do my formal coaching of pastors through burnout or many other ministry things. Yeah, I highly recommend all of that. And just Sean is a great resource for that. So we'll put all of that in the show notes. And if you're in any of these situations where you feel like you need a little bit more, I encourage you to reach out to them. Sean, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for the book. I know it's going to help so many people who are in this situation and who maybe aren't even ready to admit it to somebody else, but ordering a book online is a little more of a, of a way for, you know, the brown paper package kind of a thing for them to begin mm-hmm. to think maybe I am in the situation. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Carl. So it's been a real honor to be on this podcast with you. You got it. Yeah, I knew this would be a helpful, practical conversation when I booked this with Sean. There is just so much good stuff to dig into, but well, here are four of my takeaways. First of all, burnout is real. Even if it's not very well diagnosed yet, even by the mental health community, it is on the rise because of the radical change in our lifestyles over the last few decades. Secondly, not only are pastors not immune to burnout, but the nature of our work makes us highly susceptible to it, so we need to pay attention to this important issue. Third, not everything that we experience when we're exhausted is burnout. We might also be struggling with trauma, with compassion fatigue, or with something else. And we need an outside person to help us diagnose that. 
we cannot do it by ourselves. But finally, there's hope. It's extraordinary. I'm never surprised by it, but I'm always amazed and in awe of it that the path to hope and wholeness is built into the pages of Scripture and into the principles, especially from the life and teachings of Jesus and our relationship to Him. So lean into Jesus. Find out how He lived His life. Notice the rhythms of His life. And as we live in relationship with Him, we can protect ourselves from anything that might be coming against us, including the burnout that tries to attack us and tries to derail us from ministry. The hope, as always, is in Jesus. This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver. It was edited by Phil Vaders. Original theme music was written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. The graphic design is by Solomon Joy. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I hope to talk with you again in the church lobby.